Saturday morning, April 27, 2019, the last day of Passover, when a 19-year-old white American terrorist breached our synagogue with an AR-15 with the intent of killing everyone who was there, the young children, the elderly, the families that were there. I was standing in the lobby talking with Mrs. Lori Lynn Gilbert K. May she rest in peace. When this terrorist opened fire, killing Mrs. Lori K. May she rest in peace instantly. And then turning the AR-15 on me to kill me. The four bullets that came in my direction only shot my index fingers, but nothing else was physically harmed. My life has not been the same since. Being a shooting survivor of a mass shooting, the second mass shooting at a synagogue in the United States of America in all history, leaves me with some physical scars but more importantly the emotional scars that I deal with every single day the PTSD that I live with 24 hours a day I want to share with you today what is my take on anti-semitism so I have seen anti-semitism up close and very, very personal. And I've learned very quickly, I cannot control what other people do, but I can control how to react. So let's break this down. No baby is born an anti-Semite. All children created by God is given equal opportunity to live an upstanding life, a life of love, a life of camaraderie, a life of respect, a productive life. Every baby is given the same opportunity at birth. The difference is what happens during their journey in life. What influences does a child have when they begin nursing? Are they nursing love or are they nursing hate? Then that child doesn't know any different. Then that child is going to learn from its environment. It's no longer nature. It becomes nurture because naturally a child is born pure it is the nurture that comes afterwards that makes the difference take the situation of the terrorist who breached our synagogue in April 27 2019 
He was just 19 years old. He wasn't some radical um, foreign student who came to America after being radicalized. He was born right here a couple miles away from where I have spent my last 40 years. He has gone to local school. He was actually in nursing school learning to become a nurse to help people. He was an accomplished pianist. See, he wasn't some mentally deranged individual. Rather, his IQ was rather up there. He was rather an accomplished individual at 19 years old. But hate, the word hate, has been brewing in him. It didn't come from nowhere. It came from somewhere. You could try to blame it on the internet. You could try to blame it on other influences. But at 19 years old, you know the difference between right and wrong. And when he woke up that morning on April 27, 2019, he made the choice to take the burning hate, the baseless hate that has been festering to the worst extreme to try to murder and kill as many Jewish people as possible. He actually wrote a manifesto that has been published. And in his manifesto, it's full of bigotry, hatred, and most of all, cowardness. So it begs to ask ourselves a question. What can we do about anti-Semitism? What can you and I do about this? And in recent years, it's become worse and worse. What is it that we can do to change this tide? Well, anti-Semitism has been around from the day as Jacob and Esau, who were twin brothers, they shared the same womb together, and they emerged. Yaakov went one direction, and Esau went a different direction. And Esau was already looking to kill his very own twin brother. There was a built-up resentment and hate that Esau couldn't control that he developed a nurture himself to want to kill. And as the Jewish history proves itself, beginning spending 210 years in slavery in Egypt, being tortured into terrible slave labor, Jewish boys were killed, thrown into the Nile. Pharaoh would bathe in the blood of beautiful Jewish innocent children. And as we left Egypt on our way to Israel in the 40 years in the desert, dealing with one adversary after the other adversary, and we finally made it to Israel, and we had to fight 
for our own survival. How many millions and millions and millions of Jews were slaughtered and killed just because they were Jewish. This has been quite a history of the Jewish people. We've been thrown around from here to there. And it isn't fair. But it won't be for long. That is a song that I learned when I was a child in summer camp. Going through the Spanish Inquisition, going through the World War I, World War II, Stalin, Lenin, just all Jewish history. We have been pursued, murdered and killed for absolutely no reason other than our identity. Well, we cannot make any sense of it. And it's not even worth trying to make sense out of it. As I mentioned, we cannot control what others do. But we can control how we react. Anti-Semitism is not foreign to me. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. At the age of five, six years old, I was coming home from school with a collection box to bring home for those to, to be able to put charity in those collection boxes, some coins every day, as we were brought up to share with what we have every single day. Take a penny, a nickel, a dime, put it in your collection box. And I was being followed, but I was a little five, six-year-old. And the individual who was following me must have been a young teenager, maybe, asks me, where do I live? And I innocently said, just follow me, I'll show you. I had no reason why to suspect him. I come to my house, he asks me, where do you live? I point to the door. At that moment, he gives me a punch in the face, knocks me down to the floor, and takes away a collection box of coins. I did not understand it. I could not grasp why this happened. But it became part of my memory that I remember till today. Fast forward, 12 years old. School finishes Friday at 12 o'clock. Instead of going home to play and get on your bicycles, it's a short day because it's Saturday in the evening. I would take my phylacteries, known as tefillin, and I would ride the bus on Coney Island Avenue to find some Jewish store owners, and I'll go from store to store and ask them, would you like to pray with me? And most of them was glad to do it. And I actually created a route every Friday, a routine route that I would go to each of these stores. And I would wrap the leather boxes, which is the phylacteries that fill in, and pray with them. One day, I'm on the bus, holding my fill-in on the prayer book. When someone stands up, for no reason, no provocation whatsoever, comes and punches me right in the face, gives me a bloody nose. 
And this is New York. No one cared to do anything to defend me. I got off at the next stop at Avenue J and Colney Island Avenue. 12 years old, almost bar mitzvah. And I, some people came over, gave me some tissues to wipe the blood off my face. And I thought to myself, this has been going on for generations. Because I got a bloody nose, should I allow this beast, this animal, to stop me from my mission, what I'm doing? And at 12 years old, my conviction was, I will continue. I will not let this stop me. And I continued going to the stores and wrapping to fill in. And they saw that I had a swollen nose, swollen face. I was just freshly punched. And they asked me what it was, and I would just brush it off. But when I finished, I felt accomplished. I felt that I was able to prevail against the evil. And I was rather proud of myself being able to have that conviction in me. I even penned a note to the Chabad Rebbe about this incident, sharing with him of my experience. And then upon receiving a beautiful blessing, comes April 27, 2019, was the worst type of anti-Semitism up close and personal. What I cannot erase from my mind was not just the terrorist with the AR-15, I'm looking down the barrel of it, but what saved my life that day was turning around. As he raised the AR-15, I turned around because I heard children playing behind me. And it was my responsibility to bring these children to safety. And at that moment, I said, no matter what happens to me, whether I die doing this, I have to save the children. And I turned around and I run towards the children. And as I got to the playground, I see my oldest, my eldest granddaughter, four years old. I scoop her up. Both of my fingers are severed, spewing blood everywhere as the arteries were severed. I lift her up. I see in her face terror, anguish of an expression of a four-year-old seeing her grandfather bleeding in panic. It reminded me of the pictures you see out of the Holocaust during a program. Innocent children. Why should a four-year-old beautiful girl have to witness this in year 2019? I will never erase that image, that look at her face, that anguish, the terror-stricken, the fear, the bewilderment of a four-year-old have to be subjected to this. Those memories 
will always be with me. The physical scars will always be with me. But what happened after this terrible event was a shift in my mind. I no longer was in anguish about the loss of my fingers, about the nightmares, about the darkness. And most of all, which I will never, ever, ever get over, the death and the sudden loss of Mrs. Lori Lynn Gilbert Kay, who became a very dear friend of my family, a very dear friend of myself. And we were talking to each other when this happened. Her smile that she went down with, I'll never forget. I will miss her forever. Her sacrifice was heroic. She took four bullets, which in essence saved my life. Those bullets could have gone to me and to the others in the sanctuary. But a monumental shift came upon me. Realizing that there was a momentarily darkness. But how do you get rid of darkness? It is only with light. Within a week of the shooting, I got visited by a group of detectives. And they showed me that in the dark web, they posted a $5,000 award for someone to finish what the terrorists tried to do and kill me. And I thought long and hard about that, of having a bounty on my head. For what reason? Because I'm the rabbi. Because I'm Jewish. I spent 40 years doing goodness and kindness to the world. Is this the price to pay? Instead of dragging me down into despair and paralyzing me emotionally, physically, spiritually, I rather got empowered. I reflected as it's quoted in the book of Exodus. The more Pharaoh tortured the Israelites, the greater they prospered. As Jewish people, we have been through so much. We do not allow this to define us. We do not allow this hatred, this baseless hatred, to take anything away from us. Why do people hate us? Why is there hate in the world? Why is there bigotry? Why is there prejudice? Why are people so judgmental? Those are all people's choices. I met a very dear friend a week right after the shooting at the White House. His name was Mr. Is Mr. Mike Evans. He grew up in a home. His mother grew up an Orthodox Jew, straight away from the path, and married a non-Jew. But not just married a non-Jew, 
married a non-Jew who was an anti-Semite. He wasn't just an anti-Semite. He was violent. He would beat his wife mercilessly. This is the home that Mr. Mike Evans grew up in. That was his nurture. That was what he was exposed to. He could have grown up and followed in his father's footsteps. But he did not. His soul spoke to him. And his soul told him, even though I grew up in this home and I was helpless, I couldn't defend my mother from the beatings she got from my father. But I am going to change that. I'm going to make a commitment that I'm going to make it my life's mission to defend the Jewish people. I couldn't defend my mother, but I could defend the Jewish people. See, even though he grew up in a home spewing anti-Semitism, he made a choice not to follow those footsteps but rather to create his own footsteps, his own legacy. Mr. Mike Evans became an evangelical minister, albeit being a born Jew. 72 years old, him and I meet, and he reveals to me that he is Jewish. And I offer to give him a bar mitzvah. Right here in the synagogue, where the shooting took place in the sanctuary, I gave this evangelical minister a bar mitzvah. Tears were rolling down his eyes, sharing with me an abundance of emotions how his whole life he wanted to have a bar mitzvah. Right after the shooting at, in the White House at the Rose Garden, Mr. Mike Evans volunteered to make a huge donation to pay for a life security guard for the following year after the shooting. We have remained very dear friends and our friendship continues to grow as I teach him more about Judaism. He is the founder of Friends of Zion in the old city of Jerusalem where he created a huge multimedia center and housing for Holocaust survivors. So the take is, we cannot eradicate anti-Semitism. That's going to require a divine intervention. But what we can do is not allow the anti-Semitism to win. We cannot allow anti-Semitism to drag us down to paralyze us, to torture us, to pain us. But rather, let's follow in the ways of our ancestors. The more we are tortured, the stronger we get. And where there's darkness, we push it away with light. When the temple was existing, and this is kind of a, one of the best kept secrets, in the times of King Solomon, in times when the temple existed in Jerusalem, 
during the high holidays of the holiday of Sukkot, the holiday of the tabernacles, we, the Jewish people, would bring 70 separate sacrifices, 70 offerings to God on behalf of the 70 nations. Yes, the Jewish people in Jerusalem would dedicate the eight days of the happiest season of all to pray for the rest of the world. Does the rest of the world know that? Does the rest of the world know that the Jewish people pray for them, for their well-being, during our high holidays? That is Judaism. This is the world that God created, that we should coexist. We should pray for each other. We should love each other and support, support each other's life to be alive. Judaism is a religion that's based on the living. We need to promote life, build life at any cost. This is our journey in this world, is to live, be alive, and keep alive at any way possible. Anti-Semitism has been here. It's here. We pray every day that it would stop. I personally have been on a journey to talk to the younger generation as a victim of anti-Semitism up close and personal, visiting public schools and high schools, talking to them, educating them. There's a lot of ignorance, a lot of myths that are out there. They need to be taught. And it needs to start in school. It needs to start at home. Right after the shooting, one of my reflections were that if only the United States government can bring back to the public schools a moment of silence, that every morning when the children arrive at school, they should pause for a moment in silence. And they would come home and say, Ma, Dad, why? What's the silence about? What am I supposed to do during the silence? That opens up the discussion so that children should be taught the reason why you're being silent is so you have a moment to meditate. You have a moment to think about who you are, why you are, where you are, what your journey is supposed to be. And most importantly, that there is a God who brought you to this world who hears everything you say, sees everything you do, and knows what you're thinking. You are not alone. There's a purpose for your being. There's so much that can be discussed. If parents can embrace this type of conversation, it can have an incredible ripple effect. Well, people always talk about <clears throat> the Jewish people are the chosen people. Fiddler on the roof had this dialogue with God. And he says, God, we have suffered so much. I'm so privileged to be part of the chosen people. And then he concludes, God, can you please choose someone else next time? 
I don't discount for a second the fact that I lived a Jewish life. I displayed in boldly my Jewishness. I always dressed like a Jew. My kippah, my beard, my clothes, my uniform. For 40 years that I walked the streets here in San Diego, I knew I was a moving target. I've had my share of beer bottles thrown at me, my share of cars driving by and honking the horns, not sure if it's a hello or goodbye or live or drop dead, but I've had my share of it, but I, I accepted it, I knew it. Never would I have imagined that I'll be facing face-to-face -face with the terrorists with the AR-15. Never would have I have imagined that my life was almost taken away from me. Never would have I have imagined that I would be just feet away from Mrs. Lori Kay, a fellow Jew, a fellow member, a fellow friend, a dear friend, to be slaughtered right in my presence. But I take all that together and I say to myself, Am Yisrael Chai. This is the Jewish nation. No matter what adversary we face, no matter what terrorists we face, no matter how much losses we have, it doesn't take us down. At the Passover Seder, we say the words, and every generation they rise up against us to take us down, but God spares us. Here we are in 21st century, we are still here. Gone are all the empires, the Greek Empire, the Roman empires, all the empires that preceded us that tried to destroy us, they're all gone. Am Yisrael Chai, we the Jewish people are still here. We're here because we have conviction. We're here because we have God. We're here because we have the Torah that guides us, that keeps us synchronized with our soul, our heart, our body, with God Almighty in heaven. We are one. Every morning we wake up, we say, thank you, God, for giving me another day. Before I go to sleep, I say, God, I'm entrusting you with my soul as I fall to a slumber of sleep. Unconsciously, please allow my soul to wake up the next morning. Living a life of appreciation, of recognition, not allowing the evil, the sadness, the darkness of the world to take us down, but rather to invigor us, to lift us up, to give us the strength, to give us the ability to march forward. And this is how I deal with my PTSD. I do not allow the trauma that haunts me every night that I lay down in bed, the sounds that makes me shiver, the scent of a strike of a match that smells like gunpowder that filled the lobby from the 10 rounds of the AR-15, the various horrific terror-stricken moments that I have throughout the day and evening. I don't allow it to paralyze me. I embrace it. I know it's there. I know it's not going away. But every time I'm stricken with any of these panic events, I have taught myself like a remote control. And this is something that the Rebbe wrote to me when I was a mere 16 year old, studying in the school in Paris, France. The Grand Chabad Rebbe wrote to me 
that when you have intruding thoughts, do not go into battle with the thoughts, but dismiss them. Dismiss them. As a matter of fact, in your mind, you should have readily available words of Torah and prayer that's you know by heart. They're occupying your mind. So here, when you have darkness in your mind, switch into light. Dig into your memory of the positivity of what you have studied, what you have learned by heart that's embedded in your brain. By focusing on that, you will dismiss the darkness that's trying to occupy your mind. And if a little bit of light pushes away a lot of darkness, how much more so a lot of light? To me, although it's been 1,200 days ago, the terrible mass shooting, I still suffer as if it just happened the other day. But the suffering is not paralyzing. I don't allow it. I don't give the terrorists this opportunity to paralyze me. But I'm able to transform the anger. I'm able to transform the terror into energy of strength to grow and build of my new self that was reborn on that day, at that moment. As every day is a gift, every day is a bonus day. Every day is a day to realize that I need to do something good. So may God bless all of you, no matter what terror we have been through, no matter how much anti-Semitism we have faced. Do not despair, because God will protect us as He has. And eventually, if we could get the whole world to begin following the seven general rules that are pertaining to the rest of the world, then the world will be a much better world. Let's, let's each one of us do our part, creating light that will push away the darkness. God bless you. God loves you.